<laughs> I haven't quite recovered. Okay, first question, first question. Where was it? Can you tell us where it was? I can. This is the Hindu, which you have survived because we're talking now. We gave it an extra day to let you recover a little bit more. So apologies for the late podcast this week, just giving you Hindu recovery time. Yeah, no. What? How much can you can you tell me now, here and now? Well, you are right. I'm still here. So that's, uh, that, for me, that's a win. <laughs> uh, well, I was told beforehand just to meet at Euston Station at 5.25. I had a fair idea as to where we were going, just because of the people in the group and where they're from and this sort of thing and the fact that it was Euston. So it was either going to be Birmingham or Manchester and I was pretty confident it was Birmingham. And it was. We went to Birmingham for the weekend. So we were there Friday through to Sunday. It was done really well. The people that organised it, my friends, they absolutely nailed it there was a good amount of rest but lots of activities lots of structure and it was yeah it was excellent sounds like a training camp there's a lot of rest (laughs) there's a lot of structure are we talking hang on the majority of the hens are they all athletes former tennis players what what kind of makeup are we dealing with here so there were six other people apart from me four of them from tennis uh, and then two who are not particularly sporty, although one runs a lot, but they they aren't from a sporting background, as it were. But yeah, so it, it may have got slightly competitive. And one of my friends is uber competitive. <laughs> uh, so we knew that was going to happen. Did it get raucous? Did it get raucous? No, do you know what? It didn't. It probably, it was actually perfect. We had a very good time. We played lots of games. We went out. It was great. But no, I would not describe it as raucous. Can you tell me one game you played? <laughs> <laughs> one game I played? Uh, yes. Okay, fine. We played Confessions. That was a really fun Ooh, one. Okay. So basically everybody in the group had to write down a confession on a piece of paper and I had to guess whose was who. But it just led to a some offence with the people that I picked for certain things. Was there, is it, were you surprised by all the confessions or was there something you literally were like, I can't believe I, I never knew this about you. These are meant to be some of your closest friends. Oh no, there were plenty that I was surprised by. I, I, to be honest, most of them, <laughs> people were very good with the confessions and I was rubbish at picking them, like really rubbish. <laughs> I, I feel, actually I feel we could do a whole podcast about your Hindu. I feel there might be some bits that you haven't told me or you don't want to tell me. Would that would that be a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. That, that's it. That's all I'm telling you is <laughs> one game <laughs> of confessions. I'm not telling you what any of the confessions were, but that was it. We played that game. The rest is, um, what? Yeah. Just between me and my friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing. It was, it was really fun and, uh, yeah, well worth it. I was pretty exhausted. And then I got back and then I had to bomb up to Norfolk to sort out stuff for the wedding on the next day. And by the time I got home on Monday evening, I was, yeah, pretty exhausted because it was right off the back of French Open, of course. Landed from Paris on the Thursday, went on the Hendu on the Friday. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm now just enjoying some veg time. How about you? I mean, your Paris was a bit longer than mine. We missed you. We missed you on the final weekend. Did you... Did you keep an eye on the Conta? Because it was the Conta semi-final that you'd gone home just before. Did you have any clue what was going on there or did you actually completely 100% switch off? Well, the the Conta semi-final was fine because it was on the Friday. So I basically just watched it before we went up. Um, But yeah, what happened over the weekend? Yeah, I caught, I kept track of things. 
But if Contra had been in the final, we probably would have found somewhere to watch it, to be honest, to be honest because, as I say, a few of my friends are big tennis fans. And if Contra was in the final, we, we would have definitely wanted to see what was going on. But uh, because she wasn't, we thought we would take the weekend off. I kept track of it, but uh, didn't necessarily watch it well it meant there were no sort of creepy photos or videos taken of me from from a distance as <laughs> happened <laughs> as happened as happened so I, I I felt a little bit more relaxed I have got to say that was one of the feelings well because left. I wasn't there you felt more relaxed <laughs> what are you talking about because <laughs> I I knew there'd be no photos or things popping up on social media of me from a distance so <laughs> I didn't do anything <laughs> we nearly did get because our studio for, for live at Roland Garris that I was working on every evening was at the very top of uh, in the TV compound of these temporary structures and the weather you know we say there's going to be strong winds <laughs> might be a little bit of rain it was the weather conditions were incredible I know it's something that's been reported on a lot um, and we had that with the Novak Djokovic brought out against Dominic team brought out the supervisor to say um, what's the sort of strong weather wind rule and he's like there isn't one okay <laughs> good <laughs> almost can we have one because i mean the conditions were ridiculous yeah it was horrendous wasn't it federer against nadal we know that nadal is one of the best players in the world playing in the wind but this was this was ridiculous and poor old roger federer was trying to play his game but there's nothing you can do about conditions like that was and up in our studio literally swaying slightly it was it was very very stormy it was very in the west of the west of france there was i think an orange alert saying don't leave your house <laughs> unless you unless you have to and some of that was drifting along so conditions wise on um, on conta what what are your final thoughts on on johanna conta oh it was brilliant Oh, it was, I mean, what an amazing couple of weeks for her. I know that for a lot of people it was surprising it happened on clay. For me, it was definitely not what I would have expected. I felt like she was kind of gaining pace coming into the clay court season. Her, her whole season from the beginning of the year, she's been playing really well. I love, just love the way that her game looks now. We talked about this last week. But it is the most complete I've ever seen her game. I have way more confidence watching it now than I did even when she was in the top five. So I have no doubt that she's going to be back in the top 10 and, and pushing back up to, towards what she was doing before. I mean, she's already been in now her third semi-final. It was... I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit of a surprise that she she pretty much got quite tight against Von Drusova in that in that semi final. I, I wasn't anticipating that. I wasn't necessarily thinking she would walk it, but uh, she you know the anxiety that we've seen from her really just looked like it had completely gone in this tournament in in Roland Garros. You just thought nothing can shake her right now. She just looks so just on the money, totally focused. So that was a little bit of a surprise that that one big misdrive volley at set point in the first set. And then she kind of unraveled a little bit because she has been so mentally strong, but I'm sure she'll learn from that and she'll build from that because I suppose round by round, the pressure just piles on, doesn't it? Quarters, semi-finals, a place for the final. And, and it just changes things and you can't help it. It just, it takes over your body. You, you, your arm just doesn't swing. Von Dressova had that on one of her big points. She hit a double fault where they were both like in the bottom of the net and it was the slowest arm you'd ever seen. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, unexpected, but I don't think anything to, to be ashamed of. It was a phenomenal week from her and it's just great to see her playing the tennis 
that she wants to be playing and that is not an easy thing to do and that's what she's always said from the beginning she's not looking for results she's looking to feel a certain way on the court and she must have felt good particularly that win over Stone Stevens she was absolutely beaming afterwards she must have felt so good after that because it was basically perfect from start to finish it was uh, a phenomenal performance so really pleased that she is very much back in business but this has not happened overnight this has been pretty much from the back end of last year since she started working with Dimitri Zavilov it's really been working towards this and she's she's getting there so I expect good things from her on the grass there will always be pressure on British players during the grass court season for obvious reasons but do you think this now puts this run on the clay in Paris puts more pressure on her because I think before that people were saying, well, Conta, she's working her way back. She's looking to do the right thing. She's working with Zavilov, et cetera, et cetera. But now this run to the semi-finals, showing the game that she has and how she was using it on the clay. Is that going to increase expectations even more? I, no, look, I know she's a former semi-finalist at Wimbledon, but do you think expectations will be that bit higher on her this year? Possibly a little bit because she made the semi-finals. I think if it had been the quarters... I don't think she would have got as much traction as she did. I mean, we recognised it. I mean, as I said, I, I was working for for the BBC and very much British focused. And the diff. I mean, once she won the quarter final, it was just it was going off the hook uh, in terms of the interest in her. But getting through to the quarters was not absolutely huge. So I think that may have just put it in the mind of the public because ultimately the majority of people watching Wimbledon haven't really paid attention to the rest of the year that's just the way that it is in Britain we have huge figures and it's great that we at least have one event that pulls in people that aren't necessarily tennis fans because you know we could have none and then we've only got the tennis fans through the year so you definitely do have a bigger and different audience and I really felt for her the year after she made the semi-finals at Wimbledon because she'd had such a tough time with her season and not winning many matches and then she turns up at Wimbledon and all of the fans thought well she made the semis last year she should be going to win it and whereas everybody else was thinking do you know what if she wins a couple of rounds it's pretty good <laughs> so <laughs> I felt for her on that particular year I think this year I don't think there's a huge amount of pressure maybe a little because she made the semis but as I say if she'd have made the final or won it then for sure but uh, yeah, it's just a very different audience. Maybe some added pressure from within the tennis world, but I don't think she'll be feeling that from the uh, the millions that flock to watch Wimbledon. And then there's Ash Barty. I think everyone thought that her first major, her first grandstand would come on the grass because of the game she's got. It's come at Roland Garros. I think the thing that stood out about Ash Barty in that run was when against... Amanda Anisimova, when she was in the semi-finals, when she was five love up in about 12 minutes and she had dropped three points on serve and you thought, oh, this is going to be, that's going to be a good afternoon's work. She then lost that set and then had to come from losing that set to turn it around and winning the match in three. And you just thought mentally <laughs> to to have come through a situation when, how could, 12 minutes, you are five love up and, you, and you've dropped three points and suddenly you've lost that set. Just for me, again, it's the, it's the mental side of the game to sort of sit down on your own, talk to yourself, figure it out, turn it round. I think put her in a fantastic position going into that final. Well, what what did she do, though? Because I was watching Conta, so I missed that semi-final. I was following the score, <laughs> which was extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, talk about seesawing around the place, <laughs> momentum swings. 
um, especially in those conditions, because you always say that the, the wind and and horrible conditions are very much a leveller. You don't tend to get the momentum swings as much, but my word, I don't know what was going on in that match. I just, I mean, look, I've seen the highlights and read what people have said about it, but I don't know. What did, what did you see? Well, I think the big thing was that Anisimova started to play. I think she was very, very nervous in that semi-final. Suddenly, a lot of people looking at a 17-year-old, very, very young, who big things are expected of. And Ash Barty just came out firing and could not miss. Anisimova couldn't find the court, on the other hand. So Anisimova just gradually found her feet. She found the court. She started to move Barty around. Barty was a bit shaken by the whole thing. Went on just to lose that first set from being in the most ridiculously comfortable position. And then it was a more even tussle and you had the weather levelling things out as well. And in the end, I think it was Barty and just her experience was able to turn it round and bring her through. But, you know, that that's... I think that's a massive mental victory from Ash Barty to, to dig herself out of a hole. And remember, on the main tour, you can call your coach down. Largely, you could call someone down and say, right, what's happening here? What's going on? What do I do? But I think the fact that she figured it out herself and turned it around. And, and people will say, yeah, but look, it was against a 17-year-old who had even less experience. But I still think, and I've never been in this situation at any level, but to be in that position when you're out there on your own, you're in that position you fall from that position and you're able to turn it around is amazing. Yeah, and she said it was the hardest thing she'd ever done, didn't she? I mean, I think in her tennis life, but uh, that really spoke volumes. It was very honest of her to, to say that, I think. But yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that she's she's won a slam because I felt like I was talking uh, to in the early stages of Roland Garros thinking, does she? I watched her play and I thought, you know, I hope she believes she can win Wimbledon because she really can now. Like she's never had the best self-belief um, and it, it's kind of built over the past three years, I think. And she's become more and more solid and ha has had a much more belief in in herself as a, a player she's just kind of got on and played hasn't she and then gone oh look i, I won <laughs> that's nice <laughs> um and and i was thinking i wonder if it's built just in time for wimbledon this year or whether it's a year too early because i felt like she was getting close to believing that she could win a grand slam well yeah here we go she won Ronald garros <laughs> so she was pretty close someone who's won a few more is is rafa nadal um, title number 12, final against Dominic Oh, Thiem. you're boring. <laughs> oh. Hey, look, I didn't pick him to win. I had Novak Djokovic, who really wasn't very happy 12. with the conditions. But Rafa, but for me, that first set of that final was incredible. The level with Dominic Team was insane. It was, but yeah. but then you kept asking yourself, and who I was, um, I was uh, commentating alongside Courtney Nguyen, it was the same question. Can Dominic team keep this kind of level? You know, it was so important that first set anyway, didn't get it. But can he keep that sort of level up against Rafa Nadal? And the answer, as it has been more often than not at Roland Garros, is no. Yeah, and unfortunately that was the task and he knew it and, and we all knew it. We were like, okay, great. You're, you're doing well enough here. The first couple of sets were excellent. Uh, and I actually did watch this because I was back from my Hindu by the time this one basically kicked off. And it was just a case of sustaining it. And he sustained it for longer than he probably, well, than he did last year. He probably didn't even find it last year in the final, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, maybe if it was a best of three set match, it might have changed the mentality a little bit. And he might have been able to take that third. But he's closer. 
he's, he's getting closer. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. He's definitely taken a massive leap forward to to do what he did, take out Djokovic. And then he did push Nadal to four sets in that final. So it's it's progress, right? It, I mean, surely he's closer to the Roland Garros title than he was last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, he, he seemed to have the belief this year, which is a start. I mean, they're actually tackling Nadal over five sets at Roland Garros in the final. I mean, look, it's 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 monumental. There are ridiculous stats around Nadal over five sets. Nadal, when he's won the first set over five sets. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely crazy what he's achieved. I thought something was I found really interesting um, was when the Djokovic team semi-final was going on for what seemed like days. The when they resumed it, having called it for the bad conditions, the next day when they were walking out. To conclude, Rafa Nadal was walking out on one to the side practice courts because it was his day to prepare for the final. And I was talking to some friends who work for for Spanish Eurosport, and they said it was really funny because court four in, is in the shadow of Philippe Chatrier, and so the match is taking place um, team against Djokovic, and he'd keep getting updates. So Nadal would get updates and they'd say Djokovic is a breakup, he's in the lead, and and Carlos Moy would, and suddenly Rafa Nadal would say to um, Carlos Moy, okay, Djokovic, it's time for Djokovic. And so Carlos Moy would replicate Novak Djokovic and what he'll get for Djokovic. And then it flipped the other way around and Dominic Team went up a break and suddenly it was, no, Dominic Team's winning, Dominic Team's winning. And so Carlos Moy at the end of that hour must have been exhausted because that match was just going one way to the other and one minute he was Novak Djokovic the next minute he was Dominic Team. I love that that's a story <laughs> that is amazing but I suppose I don't know well yeah he wouldn't just delay his practice would he to wait and see because it could have been hours <laughs> to be fair he's a creature and he's a, he's a creature of habit that was the time he was going out but because you could hear the cheering and they were getting it was literally updates going Djokovic is broken do Djokovic and then suddenly it was no team's broken back it's team and it was it was and obviously being watched by so many people but um you know my friends at Spanish Eurosport said it was it was quite amusing I mean I guess because that's the day you would be working on your game plan for what was to be the final except for Rafa Nadal it, it was so close between those two you just didn't know which one it would be but let can we just be honest here for a second yeah I mean are, are we not are we not bored yeah, of Rafa. <laughs> it's great and everything. And look, I'm, I'm not in any way going to say to Dominic Team that he should have won that final because, you know, Rafa's been around for ages and whatever. Like, of course not. I, I have eyes. I saw what happened. <laughs> I saw Nadal <laughs> playing ridiculous level of tennis. And, and I would not take that away from, but 12, 12, that is beyond it's just beyond a joke that's just all of them that's just it's just greedy are you done now then you're done oh i was done a couple ago once you got the 10 he got the you know he got the 10 10 10 i was like that's amazing it's exactly what he deserves and just i don't know i'm not saying it's a bad thing i think it's amazing what he's doing and i love the fact that we can talk about it and I can't wait for in 10 20 years time when we talk about the 12 or the 13 or 14 15 who knows when it's going to end but when is it going to end well I should say and you might not want to hear this but afterwards um, we had an interview with um, Uncle Tony this is for live at Roland Garros we were on air half an hour after the trophy lift 
um, if I can remember. And we had Uncle Tony, a little nice piece with him, saying it was lovely. And, da, da, da. and Carlos Moya mentioned the number 13. And you're thinking, crikey, he's only just put the title down from 12. And they're already thinking or planning number 13. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, isn't it, really? And that's why he's as good as he is. It's... I mean, there's, there aren't any words to explain it or describe it. And I very much enjoy it. I, I think it's amazing that Rafa's, Rafa's won the 12. It doesn't sound like you enjoy it. If I'm honest, it doesn't well, sound like you enjoy it. Okay, I don't want it to end, but I'd like to know when it's going to end. <laughs> you don't want it to end. You've had enough of it. You were done at 10 and now he's at 12 going for 13. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, do you think he'll do anything on grass? What do you mean anything? Is he going to win something on grass? Is this the dark horse conversation? What, win a title? Is he going to win Wimbledon? Is he going to do anything at Wimbledon? No. No. He's not going to win it. He might He might do something like a semi or semi-finals or maybe even finals, but I don't think he's going to win so it. So you think if I had to put you on the spot now of which round he's going to get to at Wimbledon, would you... Oh. Would you, would you, well, this would is you, ridiculous. Would you, well, you just threw in there casually. He's not going to win it, but maybe semi-final or final. It's not bad. See, I don't think... I would say... I would say quarterfinals max. Yeah, that's probably where I'd pitch it. I don't particularly see him doing really well. But then last year he did really well off the back of Roland Garros. The, the extra week is helping him out. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I just... I can't really give you a round. Quarters, semis, wouldn't be surprised. I think final would be very impressive. <laughs> oh, wow. Three rounds. <laughs> I would be surprised if he won it. That that would that would surprise me. I was looking at you quite closely because we're, we're not recording this together because you've been busy wedding. Pl- Are you in Bridezilla mode yet? Oh yes, are you? Wow! <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a bridezilla, but I just am. It's all consuming right now. So I've and I came straight back into sort of twin madness, wonderful madness. But you know, one minute you're sort of working on the French Open, the next minute you're at a farm in a puddle, getting sprayed by mud and bits and pieces. So I've been enjoying those days because it's pretty much straight back into the grass and everything so we're not actually together recording this but I was looking at you quite closely to just I just I I keep thinking about your Hindu and the things you haven't told me and maybe you'll never tell me which is quite sad because I thought we were friends and I so I expect even if it's I'll tell you just not with a microphone I was just wondering if you look the same like I was just because you're you're quite like a ball bag well like (laughs) well apparently you always look like one of those but your words um no, just only when i smile just if you <laughs> i'm just waiting at wimbledon for someone to come up to you and just be staring at you and and you'll say oh yes i'm naming no it's the ball bag i'm looking at the ball bag i want and someone has to come up and say that to you no i was just wondering if you had like both your eyebrows or if your hair was the same color or just anything looked different really i've just been kind of quietly studying which sounds a bit creepy, but I just wanted to check if anything was different. No, was, you you don't have to worry. I was not subject to any sort of abuse over the weekend, other than being made to drink things. That was basically it. Oh, I can't wait for this conversation. I need to hear everything. Um, are you excited? Do you get excited about the grass? Yes. Oh my, it's like Christmas. It is 
the best time of the year. I am so excited about it. It, it. It's always been the benchmark of the year. Like since I was 16, since my first grass court season, my year is split into before the grass and after the grass. That's it. And that's all the useless bit. The grass is the main thing before and after. Who cares? Would you plan your season around the grass, even if it wasn't the area, maybe you'd make the most points or money. Maybe it was. But would the planning be done around this because it was the the home part of the year or not at all? Well, for me, it was always the time where I made the most points and money because I I liked playing on grass. So I played... Uh, way above my ranking on a grass court, for example. Um, and because of the wild cards and being British, I got the opportunity to put that on display because if I didn't have those wild cards, then I wouldn't be able to do that. So it kind of worked perfectly for me and I always did very well. Edge Baston was one of my most successful tournaments, I think, playing up in Birmingham. Uh, and of course, Wimbledon, well, talk about making money, Wimbledon's a good place to do it. <laughs> Can't really deny Did that. Did you do singles, doubles and mixed? Did you do the triple whammy? You know, I only played mixed once and that was because I just didn't have a partner. <laughs> I just couldn't find a partner. I signed in one year and I didn't get in. And then I played another year. I played with Josh Goodall and we lost. Oh. So sorry, how does that work? You sign in... It's like a dating thing. It's like speed dating. Yes, it very much is. You have to find somebody who's willing to sign in with you. What if, but did you say you, can you sign in on your own and hope that someone comes up, looks at the sheet and puts their name next to you, even if you may never have met them? No, no, you can't do that. No, you have to sign in as a pair, but you basically have to figure out if anybody is interested. And, and because I would need a wild card, you'd have to play with a Brit. So you'd have to find a Brit that would want to play. And as I say, I signed in one year, didn't get in. Second year, did get in and for some reason didn't do it on the third year. Uh, but I always played doubles. I played doubles, played with Bally one year, played with Katie O'Brien another year and I played with Anna Smith the third year. So I always played with different partners. But uh, yeah, so I always play singles and doubles, but uh, only mixed ones. Birmingham, you mentioned Birmingham. Venus Williams has mm. taken a wild card. The, the Williams sisters who largely notoriously do not play of course they've got grass courts in america to practice on but largely do not play it's very rare to see a williams playing in a pre-wimbledon warm-up event it is very rare i think serena has played in eastbourne once or twice but edgebaston is always historically very strong because it's the biggest tournament at that on that week of the year and uh people like to come and play in Edgebaston, it's a really strong field this year. The top three in the world are playing, as well as Venus, obviously, which is a huge draw because she's Venus. She's not necessarily ranked that high at the moment, but uh, people will love to come and see her play. Um, but yeah, Osaka, Barty and Pliskova, number one, two and three, all playing. As we record this, which is Wednesday, um, Serena Williams has still not entered anywhere she did say after her exit at Roland Garros that she would consider it do you expect her to pop up at any tournament maybe joining sister for sisters in Birmingham well I thought that Edgebaston might make a bit of sense because she likes to have the week off before a slam but then I mean Eastbourne's a stronger tournament so that would probably make more sense but I personally 
well, I'm not really sure whether she's going to play a, a warm-up event or not. I don't know. I know she needs a few matches, but pff, it's, a, it's a tough one. There are some exhibitions around that she might want to play. I was, t- <laughs> I was taking the mick a little bit with the, uh, um, with the British press because everybody got very excited that... Serena might be playing in one of the British tournaments and the LTA and everybody was suddenly on their phones going right let's try and get Serena she said she wants to play a tournament where can she play Edgebaston Eastbourne maybe Nottingham that would be absurd she's not playing in Nottingham (laughs) (laughs) Surbiton no chance Um, but I mean really it was Edgebaston or Eastbourne probably Eastbourne although I was trying to will Edgebaston into existence because I'm up there and I'm, I have some links with the tournament so I was hoping that she would uh, would join us there um, but anyway I was I was uh, just having conversations as I say as everybody was very excited about it and I was saying well she'll probably go and play Mallorca <laughs> <laughs> everyone was very disappointed well that's where Maria Sharapova is making her return in Mallorca yes and Maria Sharapova is somebody who's very much enjoyed Edgebaston over the years she's a former champion there so interesting that she's chosen Mallorca weather's nicer that is true (laughs) it's pretty grim at the moment Nottingham oh poor Nottingham it's been struggling uh I think it was Sasha Bayin put out a tweet about uh Mladenovic who he's coaching up at Nottingham and (laughs) they've played on four different surfaces in a week because she played in the doubles final at Roland Garros and then she came to practice on the grass, but then it rained. So she had to practice on indoor carpet because you, if it rains during the grass court season, you would always try and find a carpet court because it's the closest to grass of any surface. And we have loads of carpet courts in Britain, so it's quite easy to do. So she was still preparing for the grass, but by practicing on carpet. Uh, but then when it came to her match, I had to go play on hard because <laughs> it was raining, so it was indoor hard. So four surfaces in one week absolute disaster but the weather has just been it's just been shocking really yeah hasn't it hasn't been great i tell you I, what i was doing today that kept me out of the weather i was recording um a, a voiceover for a for a documentary about little mo maureen connolly ah of course maureen connolly so what what did you learn about maureen connolly yeah she it was a fascinating story she um because i was asked to do it and then i wanted to read up more about her and she's considered one of you know the greatest women of tennis. She won the first ever women. She was the first ever woman to win the, the Grand Slam, hold all four. And we're talking. She was doing this as a teenager, that she was storming through the tennis world. She it, it's it's a really it's a sad story in many ways. She achieved so much, but then she had a horse riding accident. So after she had she had won the Grand Slam and she was continuing going, it was and we're talking in the fifties here. She was getting better and better. She had a horse riding accident, got a leg injury, had to retire from tennis at the age of twenty. So can you imagine? Before the age of twenty, she had won the Grand Slam, something at that point only Fred Perry had done. She had picked up that. She was gaining momentum. She had this love of horses, rode a lot, had to retire, stayed in tennis, and then, really unfortunately, in her thirties. Um, died of cancer so did so much so young and then the accident she um, got married had two daughters but it was it was was a really interesting interesting piece too but then I was thinking and you reminded me of this that there is because her name is still present in the game she has a foundation that helps sort of young children develop their tennis skills and there is the Maureen Connolly Cup yes yes there is it's down in Eastbourne it's a very cool story actually um 
as you're saying, I mean, to, to achieve what she achieved is amazing. And then, yeah, with the, the sadness that, that came after that. But I've actually met one of her daughters. Have you? Um, I've, yeah, I definitely met one of them uh, because I played in the Maureen Connolly Cup. And now it's in Eastbourne. Uh, every single year it used to be just great britain versus usa and it was a friendly match and it was the maureen Connolly cup and it would yeah whoever won it picked picked up the the cup obviously but now they've invited more teams so other countries come and compete and it's become kind of a a warm-up event for the juniors playing junior wimbledon so it was a junior thing and so in all of those countries I'm not sure who's in it, but I mean, USA, Britain, France, some others, they will bring their team that will be playing in junior Wimbledon and they get some matches on the grass down at Eastbourne. They get to experience that tournament and it's great and it's it's really good. But when I was playing it, um, it was just between Great Britain and USA and it used to be home and away alternated every year. And you got picked for the team. They had kind of... Um, particular rules in Britain anyways to who was picked for the team but ours was based purely on your results at nationals that year so it was I think the winner and finalist of 14s winner and finalist of 16s and winner and finalist of 18s or something like that there was about six of us maybe there was one wild card that they threw in there and now I can tell you that I knew a lot of people that went the year before I did and some that went the year after I did and the year before was at Welling Garden City at Gosling Tennis Centre, which is where I used to train, actually. So I used to, to be there. I trained there for a little bit of time, not a huge amount of time. Um, but I knew it very well. And it's, just, you know, it's a tennis centre, but we've competed there all the time. So we knew it. So the Americans came over and they played at Gosling. And the year after I played was at home in Britain as well. And I actually played at Queenswood, which was my school. So they played it on the outdoor clay at Queenswood. Lovely location, but of course it's my school. So <laughs> I lived there. It was a boarding school. So I missed those two. And the year that I went, it was away. And we went to, of course, Bermuda. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> That's amazing. So hang on. How old are you going to Bermuda? What age? 16. Oh, it was amazing. 16. And, and how yes. long were you there for? We were there for a full week. And oh, it was so cool. And I have never, I laughed at some of my friends and I bring it up all the time with my friends that went the year before or the year after. I like, remember Maureen Connolly when I was in Bermuda. <laughs> uh, so it was great. I think our mission should be at some point to record an episode of the podcast from the most glamorous tennis location. Mm. I mean, this could, I think this, I think this could be a pipe dream, <laughs> but Obviously, we're doing one at your wedding in a few weeks. Very excited about that. Um, I'm going to bring the kit. <laughs> I'm going to be interviewing all the guests. It's going to be the most amazing episode. So that's going to be fun. I had to, I need to warn you that my, my hen girls, they all feel like they know you. So <laughs> they're just going to be like right on you from the very beginning. They're so excited to meet we, you. Uh, oh, I, I can... I can Maybe they'll tell me some more hen stuff and some bits and pieces about you. Okay. For oh, a... they've got some videos, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to meeting them. This is, uh, that's going to be a, a, a tennis Naomi Cavaday wedding special. So, uh, and, and the look you're giving me is as if to say, I think that you're joking, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure <laughs> that you're not going to turn up at my wedding, like with 
microphones and a little kit and be walking around speaking. No, to I think you should. I think you should. I think that'd be that would be great. They would love to get on. Would they? Yeah. Okay, so I might I just um, don't want you to feel like you're working. <laughs> Just, you know, sometimes women at wedding, they take like weddings, they take little purses. They want to take as little as possible. I'm going to have a whopping great, I'm going to have a bag like, I don't know, most tennis players take on court because I'm going to have all my kit in there. And then at some point in the evening, you'll be like, I haven't seen Gigi for a while. I'll just be at a table in the corner with a couple of the hens or someone else just sat down doing an episode or two. Watching videos. Watching, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watching videos and then doing a couple of episodes of the podcast. Does that sound all right? So if you're any of Naomi's hens and you're listening, I'm definitely up for doing this. So if you're listening and you fancy doing it, then I look forward. I look forward to meeting you at the wedding. Well, they demanded that you sit with them. So I have no choice. Oh, wow. Okay, (laughs) this is going to be a great listen, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When um, when am I actually not this makes a difference because I thought I was going to see you in in Paris. And I think we saw each other twice. Maybe three times. <laughs> we literally saw each other twice in 15 days. And it was like at midnight on the respective nights as we did the podcast. Yes. And there was a couple of creepy photos yeah. and videos. At your hotel. At my hotel with the, with the guy, the night porter, looking at us as if we were just weird while he watched films where lots of people were being shot. Um, what, what's your... So Wimbledon, I'm not going to say I will see it at Wimbledon. I hope to see it at Wimbledon. <laughs> I think we need to keep it a bit looser now. What... Am I seeing you before then? What's your plan the next couple of weeks or so? Well, next week we're split because you're going to be at Queen's and I'm going to be at Edgebaston. Yep. So, oh, okay. We won't see you yeah, then. Yeah, won't see you. But we can update each other and it'll make a good pod because you can talk about Queen's. I'll talk about Edgebaston. Yep, lovely. And then what happens? And then after that, you're going to be in Eastbourne. Yep. But I won't be. And then at Wimbledon, we must see each other at Wimbledon because we're actually working for the same people. <laughs> we're actually on the same programme at Wimbledon. But it might be a case that we speak to each other whilst the programme's going, but we might not see each other around it. Well, that happens a lot as well, actually. So you may be saying, Naomi, how's, how's it going on court 18? And that, that so we may, maybe we'll hear each other's voices anyway. That's better than in Paris. And then it's your wedding... And you never see the bride on the wedding day. Oh no! Oh no! You're gonna be you're gonna be right alongside me. What are you talking about? I see you, but you don't really speak to the bride because you've got lots to do. Oh, and one thing I have, I have to ask. Um, a friend of mine wants to know if you've given Sven away because it was, there's been literally no dog mentioned for about a month and a friend of mine is quite concerned that Sven has left the family. Well, we're all very concerned because Sven is being very annoying. Uh, no, he's not. He's being very... <laughs> no, he's being very cute. Um, well, it's just that I've been away. I was in Paris and I was in Rome a couple of weeks before that. So haven't really... Um, spent a huge amount of time with him and I've been missing him a lot but I have spent all of this week with him since I got back from the hen so I've been hanging out with him today and he's doing very well We'll post. I'll post a picture or two but he's doing great actually um, very much looking forward to the teenage phase ending that's, that's, hope it, apparently that's supposed to happen at the end of the year so Fingers crossed. Oh, wow. Fast okay. forward to then. Uh, but unfortunately, you won't see him at the wedding because he's going to be on his holidays. Cannot believe instead. he has not been invited to your wedding. Cannot believe he has not been mm. invited to your wedding. Of all the people, 
He should be there. He's not um, a person. What are you talking about? Of all the people, the dog's not been invited. Oh, so because he's not invited, he's now not a person. I see. It's, it's all changed with you and Sven. I think you're through your honeymoon period. Sven is just <laughs> a dog. <laughs> I am... Um, I have to leave you now because I have to go and deal with people. I got to do bath time, twin bath time. Mm. Got to gear myself up for that. I haven't done it for a while because I've been away. I've got the grass coming up, so I've got to go and do bath time. Um, but and also we need to stop recording so I can hear about the Hindu. That's actually the main reason. Bath time can wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bath time can wait. I need some stories, and then then I go and do bath time. Okay. That, can I have some? Yeah, can I have some stories? We can do that. I think you should wait to the wedding though until you see some videos. I, I, there's the fact there are videos. Can I have one story? Can I have one thing now, and then the rest for the wedding? Yes, you can. But unfortunately, the listeners will have to leave us. Okay. And and one th- the other thing for for listeners, we hope there are listeners. Um, <laughs> if anyone feel like sli- if you feel like leaving us a review, that would be that would be kind of cool. So we know how we're doing um, on iTunes. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully, all my hen girls have left reviews. I'm sure they have. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. We haven't any of the hen girls listening that have iTunes. If you want to leave us a review, that would be great. Um, just so we know how we're getting along. That'd be fab. Okay, I want a story now. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so next podcast will be a mixture of a couple of tournaments next week. And now let's go and have some stories. Okay, let's go. Okay.